I appreciate Jason today leading worship and having all our family in and that sort of thing, and uh, it's been great. I appreciate everybody covering for me um, last Sunday while I was uh, down in Lafayette. We had a wonderful time there. There was a conference that I went a year ago. This is the Lafayette Vineyard that's pastored by uh, Dino and Chris Griffin, who were part of our church for many, many years, and then they were a church plant, uh, vineyard church plant in the Menon area, and then they went and uh, were a couple other vineyards that they were different places, and then they've been down Lafayette for a few years, and they're just doing wonderfully. Their church has doubled in the year since I've been there, and uh, it's just a real reservoir of the presence of the Lord and the Holy Spirit and the power of God, and, and uh, I got to go a year ago and minister there, and it was a tremendous time. And then got to go this time and brought a friend that I knew from Streams Ministries. And kind of, he taught some and I taught. And, and then we did ministry. And um, had about 200 there, I think, that night, not counting kids, the last night. And they had me prophesy over every single one. And uh, so that was a nice long night. We had a great, great, great time. The Lord was very, very faithful and uh, wonderful, wonderful time. And my hope today, my prayer today is that we're doing a message on cultivating the anointing, cultivating the anointing, and just, again, looking from Scripture. But, but my prayer and my, my hope of what I feel like the Lord wants to do today is uh, I want to teach this and share this, and then afterwards for any, and again, there may not be anybody that wants to, but anybody that wants to have prayer for impartation, I have some anointing law, and, and I'd like to go ahead and pray and impart to anyone that wants that. And uh, so that'll be for our service there. But let's pray, okay? Lord Jesus, we just thank you for your goodness. We're so thankful for your faithfulness. We're thankful, Lord, that wherever we are and wherever uh, you've called us to be from time to time, that, Lord, you're always there with us. You're in front of us. You're behind us. You're around us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would fill this room with your anointing and your presence. We're here, Lord, not to just teach or not to just share, but we're here to experience the blessed presence that of your coming and of your visitation. I pray for a release of healing. I pray for a release of miracles. I pray for a release, Lord, that we can hear your voice. Would you anoint as I teach today your word? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It should have outlines available for this, and um, that you can follow on that. And then we usually put the, yeah, they're already up there. Rodney's so good doing the filling in the blanks, that sort of thing, and very, very helpful. All right, cultivating the anointing, cultivating the anointing. Now, I've, I have never been a farmer, and I think if I ever stuck my, thing, my thumb in the ground, it would be brown. Like it, would not, <laughs> it would not grow. I, that is not something in, in the natural that I have. But I do believe that there's a real sense in which we certainly can never um, cause the anointing to come through manipulation or anything like that or trying to just you know, push it up and make it happen or anything else. Anointing is very, very precious. First John chapter two, verses twenty, and then also uh, going into uh, verse number twenty-seven. Let's look at that. Well, again, we'll look at several passages of scripture. Some I'll read, some I'll just reference, and but you'll have all of these so that if you want to um, uh, to go back and look at them for yourself, that's just fine. That would be great for that. All right. So First John chapter two. And verse 20. But you have an anointing one from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. 
Now, what the enemy would tell us or what our emotions would tell us or what our insecurity would tell us is everyone else may have an anointing, but I never would have an anointing. I never have an anointing. I can't. How many of you have ever thought or said, I can't hear from God? Okay, and that's, we feel that way. And the reason we, we don't hear from God is because we believe that we can't hear from God. When the truth is, I believe that God is speaking to us all the time. It's just that it doesn't come in ways and, and patterns and that we expect. And so a lot of times what we need to do is kind of heal up our expectations and learn how the Lord comes and how he speaks to us. First John 2, as we, we said here, you have an anointing from the Holy One. All of you know the truth. So part of knowing the Lord is receiving the anointing of the Lord. And in doing that, we have the knowing, we have the understanding, we have the, the revelation where we begin to, to press in to see what the Lord is saying and doing that. In verse number 27 of that same chapter, 1 John says this. 1 John, it says, As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. And remain in him is the same uh, Greek word that's used for abide in him. And we'll, we'll actually reference that scripture a little bit later. And so the Lord is calling us to abide in his anointing. He's calling us to understand that he will release and he'll bring to us, whether it's through a laying on of hands, whether it's in a dream at night, whether it's as you're just going along, suddenly this, the presence of the Lord settles upon you. In whatever way the Lord may choose, the Lord will, will bring his presence. He will bring his anointing. When we're in times of ministry, you know, hopefully when I speak, there's an anointing here. But, you know, in times of ministry, in times of outreach, if we're doing some kind of prophetic evangelism or outreach involving that. Again, we're calling for the presence and the anointing of the Lord. And the promise of the Lord is, is that he brings his anointing, and his anointing is there with us. He's there to minister in us and through us, and, he, and that. And it's not something we have to be continually taught, because it's more of something that, that we receive from the Lord, and then we give away. And it's been my experience that the more that we give away, the more that we take the, as John Wimmer used to say, the R-I-S-K, the risk of faith, as long as we step out in that, and, we, and, and my experience is, and I'm sure many of yours, is that the first time and the second time and the hundredth time, that sometimes stepping out is a fearful thing. You know, it's, it's, it's uh, when I first learned in Streams Ministries, and we were talking about how to hear from the Lord and that sort of thing, we had a little exercise that we used, and that was called, When I Look at You, I See. And that and the whole idea of that, this was in a streams class that I teach, the art of hearing God. But the whole idea of that was that when you get to the end of that, when I look at you, I see, then the next, what comes next is actually a prophetic word from the Lord. And the truth is, is that using that little exercise in these classes is that people would begin to do that. And we, we, we saw that it wasn't just short little word here or there, but the Lord began to flow in that. And I believe that the Lord wants us to be a prophetic church. He wants us to be a church that hears from God. And then after hearing from God, obeys and steps out in faith and takes that risk, the RSK, the risk of faith, as, as John Wimber so much laid out for us in that. The anointing is a supernatural outpouring of the Lord's blessing, power, and presence through the agency of the Holy Spirit. So the anointing is a supernatural outpouring of the Lord's blessing, power, and presence through the agency of the Holy Spirit. And just as a reminder, what we read there in 1 John was know the truth, know that the truth remains in you, and know that the truth of God teaches us in that place. 
So Roman numeral number two, how do we cultivate the anointing? You know, the, I, I know in the natural that I probably do not have a green thumb. As a matter of fact, it's probably brown or black. I don't know. You know, trying to raise crops or that sort of thing. Or have, Any of you ever tried to do that? Have gardens in it? My dad had a garden, did really well with that, but I just didn't have any anointing for that, or at least I didn't have the, the belief for anointing for that. It didn't seem to be my thing. But for the Lord wants to teach us and show us and demonstrate to us how we cultivate it. In other words, how how we embrace and receive and recognize the presence of God, the anointing of God that's there, and then how we can grow in it, how we can mature in it, how we can and we understand that the anointing is not just for us. The anointing is to be given away. It's to, it's to lay hands on others and to minister to others and to see God do what he wants to do in advancing his kingdom. And again, Wimberism, doing the stuff, the stuff that Jesus did. God calls us to do that. So how do we cultivate the anointing? First of all, Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. I'm looking for Luke. There it is. Luke chapter 3, verse 21. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. As he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son whom I love, who I'm well pleased with. And so we see here as we see that Jesus is that the anointing actually comes down. It comes down in the form of a dove, but it, that's more symbolic than this, just that it was a dove. But it comes down. The anointing came. The anointing descended upon Jesus. And when the anointing came, the anointing remained. So that's what I have in your notes. Is the Holy Spirit descended upon and remained upon Jesus. You know, and, and then when we're looking at this, you know, we, want, we want to have visitations of God. We say, oh, Lord, we want you to visit us. We want you to, you know, to do that. But I think sometimes we're so caught up in the latest fad or the latest thing or the latest this or the latest that. We need to understand that, that it's not just a matter of visitations. I love visitations. I love when the Lord just steps in sovereignly and does wonderful deeds in our midst and, and stretches us in that. But we need to understand that it is so much more than that. And as, as those of you that have been with us understand a phrase that I use is that sometimes we can be so fixated on a visitation that we literally miss an invitation for a habitation. You know, and I love for God's presence to visit us. I do. I enjoy that. And as I was at Lafayette and just the special conference that we had there, that was incredible. But you see what the Lord wants is he does want to visit us. But the Lord wants like the dove that symbolically came down upon Jesus, that he received anointing and he received an anointing that stayed, that remained. And that's what God's trying to release in us. A cultivation of where we not only have a visitation, but we have a habitation. What does habitation speak of? Habitation speaks of living. Living in the, in, in the presence. Walking in the presence. Abiding in the presence. That that becomes, as it were, the heartthrob of our life and our heart. And our purpose and our destiny individually and corporately as a church. That we're pressing into that. That we want to do that. That we want to, to remain in the abiding presence of the Lord Jesus. You know, sometimes we, we can be in prayer, we can be in time of worship as we were this morning or others, and we, just, we can just really feel the presence of the Lord and we get caught up in that. But then sometimes we get distracted or we, or we get focused other places in, in that and we begin to pull away. 
But what God wants us to do is to learn to stay in focus and to stay in walk and to stay in time and in tune with, with the leader of the band, as it were, with, with the Lord Jesus and the presence and the Holy Spirit of God. And then going on from there, Roman numeral 2 and um, uh, A, what we need to understand is that in how do we cultivate the anointing? We have to break up the unplowed ground. Um, if you've lived in Louisiana very long and you've ever tried in the late summertime to dig or to do something with the red clay, it's very difficult. My dad was a surveyor. I worked with him uh, many summers. I determined by great wisdom that that was not my calling because <laughs> it was too hard to work. But uh, I remember the, the summertime, by the, just for, I'd go back to school and be relieved from that, that time with my dad. But we would go there and that we would have, trying to drive stakes down into the ground, we literally would have to, you know, we'd have three or four workers there, and my, of which my dad was the strongest, but we literally would have, each one would have to try to drive theirs until they were worn out, then the next one would come, because driving that iron pipe down to, to have a, a place that would be the legal spot for the law or, or whatever uh, that was there in, 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 in the boundary of that area. But in doing that, we had to just turn it over and turn it over because we were tired, because we were worn out, because the, the clay was so, so hard. And we need to make sure that our hearts never become like that. If we want to have a visitation and then going beyond, we want to have a habitation of the presence of the Lord, part of what we need to understand and what we need to do is continually have tender hearts before the Lord. And that means dealing with things like being judgmental and being critical you know, and allowing anger to overtake us and just, just whoops, and water bottles to fall, that sort of thing. <laughs> it was not open, thank goodness. But um, going back to there. So breaking up our unplowed ground. Many times we do have those hard places, and we just need to say, and, I, and oftentimes in my prayer time before the Lord, I'll just cry out, oh God, give me a tender heart. Give me a heart that's tender Give me a heart that's not looking for recognition or for accolade or for anything less than your presence and your anointing. Lord, we, we want to see uh, visitations, but Lord, we want you to, to bring a habitation in our hearts, in our lives, in our homes, in our families, and with our children, with our young ones that are growing. God, that's just the passion, desire of our heart is to do that. So how do we break up our unplowed ground? Hosea chapter 10, verses 12 through 13. Okay, Hosea chapter 10, verses 12 through 13. Sow for yourselves, sow righteousness for yourselves, reap the fruit of unfailing love, and break up your unplowed ground. For it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. I mean, that's a powerful passage there and, and where the Lord is speaking and he says that, yes, we need to be sowing. You know, and if we're going to have a crop, one of the things that you have to plant seed, right? You have to provide for that, but you also have to have the right kind of soil and the right kind of, of water conditioning and, and situations that are there. But let's apply this to us now. Let's apply this to us individually and as families and as church. That God wants us to be sowers of righteousness, right standing, right relationship, right attitudes. You know, that, that 
that is kind of a, uh, something that when people look at us, they see that we, that we walk not in righteousness, but uh, just that we walk in righteousness, but we're not walking in self-righteousness or walk, not walking in arrogance or anything involved in that. And then in the midst of that, that we're looking for the fruit of unfailing love. So many times I think that we, we camp again on looking for the fruit of, of, of unfailing provision. And that's a good thing. God likes to provide for us, right? But it goes again beyond that. You know, the Lord wants to, to pour into our hearts unfailing love. And again, as I use that illustration of the hardened soil, I think that it's so, so important to, con- and this is, a, this is something in my prayer life, every day when I pray, I say, oh God, give me a tender heart. Take away dryness, take away hardness, take away, give me a desire and a hunger and a tenderness and a passion for your presence, for your heart, in that I want to have that tender heart. I want you to bring that, you know, to break up the unplowed ground and to keep it soft. And, and Lord, to show me those times that you really want to speak to me and, and draw me to your presence and us as a body and the body of Christ there. And so, that, again, that's just a call that we have from Scripture, a breaking up the unplowed ground, dealing with the hardness of heart and then of our secret sin. You know, one of the things about secret sin is that I think that too many times that we think that well, yes, we have a secret sin or we have this and we kind, of, we, we kind of wiggle out of it or think we wiggle out of it because, first of all, sometimes we use that thing of comparing. Yeah, I have this problem. We don't call it sin. We call it, call it problem. I think it was Wimber that used to say, the Lord spoke to him one day and said, call it sin, son. You know, and I think that's true, you know, that we, we don't do that. But, but in my heart and my life sometimes, I have to, I just have to remember that. I have to remember that um, that we're dealing with that, then that I want to see the Lord bring that, to bring as a presence. You know, I want the Lord's presence to descend upon us, but I want the Lord's presence to stay upon us. And so that means that we have to cultivate, we have to be tender, we have to, to spend time in his word, we spend time in prayer, we spend time doing what he's calling to do. But we also are looking at our hearts and making sure that they are fresh and that they are tender. They are able to be cultivated by the Lord in that and breaking up our unplowed ground. Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24, says this. It's a prayer that David had. It's a good one. It says, Search me, God, and know my heart, and test me and know my anxious thought. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Sometimes I think about that if I'm just really seriously contemplating it and praying it. It's almost like in my mind I hear this thing. Are you kidding me? You know, search and see if there's any any things that are offensive in there. You know, I was like, I mean, this this is from the psalmist David, and David had a man was a man what? After God's own heart, you know. So I'm a man trying to, to seek after God's heart, but I'm not where David was at that. But but that's a great prayer. Lord, just it's a brave prayer. Lord, just search me. Lord, just search my heart. Just show. You know, if there's, if there's wickedness in there, if there's anger in there, if there's unforgiveness in there, if there's this, that, or whatever the other, just reveal it to me. And, and what I've learned is I'll say, and, and just a bit at a time. <laughs> Don't overwhelm me, but you know, help me to deal with this and help me to deal with that and to continually grow. Because the truth is, in our walk with the Lord and our passion with the Lord and, and our passion with the presence of God, we don't want to be the same place 
a day from now, a week from now, a year from now, 10 years from now, or decades from now. We want to ever be drawing closer and into the presence of God, and we want to have the presence of the Lord and that relationship with him growing in that. And so we cry out, Lord, you know, know our heart. And I pray, Lord, just show me my heart. Test me, teach me, know my thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. And, and I'll, again, I always have to qualify and say, I know that there are. You know, deal, so I'll just kind of modify and say, deal with those ways in me that are less than becoming to your presence. And I've never said that. That just came to me. But anyway, you know, in that. Because it's all about his presence. It's all about that. That's what we want. That's what we want to experience. That's what we want to see in the whole area. And then Ezekiel 36, verses 25 through 27. We don't have to turn there. I think most of you know that passage or you can look it up. But literally there it's talking about God giving us a heart of flesh for a heart of stone. You know, and, and God gives us a heart, but we, and, and when he gives us a heart, he gives us a healthy heart. You know, one of the amazing things of being down in Lafayette with, with um, Dino as the pastor there is that most of you know that Dino went through very life-threatening time in which he had to have a heart transplant, and it was very difficult. And I think there were many, many times that we were praying for him and interceding and, and you know, and getting a heart uh, to come. And, um, and he finally got a heart that was a match, and it has to be a perfect match, and got it done and everything, and he's doing really well. But there was, there was a picture I saw one day, and I talked to him about it when I was down there this last week. And in this picture, it had Dino, and he had a... And, uh, and he had this young man and, and had this mother that came. And the mother came to him was the mother of this young boy who had given, who, who they gave the heart to Dino. And what they did was, and this, I just couldn't imagine this, is they took stethoscopes and they put one on Dino and one on her so that she could see, she could hear the beating of her son's heart that had brought life to Dino. Isn't that incredible? I mean, that's just like, wow. It's just, it's just, you know, I mean, again, you know, the heart, heart of flesh for a heart of stone. And Dino had a heart that was, that was gone, that if he hadn't got the transplant, he'd have been dancing with Jesus today. And that's not such a bad thing, but, you know, we're, we're just not ready for, our, for that day yet. Most of us said that. But I just thought I'd share that as well. It just kind of fits in here. We, again, want to have that kind of heart, the understanding. A heart of flesh for a heart of stone. Remember the parable of the sower when you looked at that? What was the one item? The, we did a whole series on that. But the, the one area, the most important thing that determined the fruitfulness started with the condition of the soil. And there were different kinds of soil, and different kinds of soil meant there were different kinds of results that would take place in the crop. And again, we're talking about cultivating the anointing. We're talking about dealing with the soul of our own heart, dealing with the, the hardness of our heart, having that tender heart, having that heart that is pure, that is clean, that God has called us to walk in in that. You know, and, I, and part of that, as I wrote this down, is that I often ask myself and try to focus upon what is it in my heart, in my life, in my daily walk that offends the Lord? I don't want to offend the Lord. I don't want to offend his presence. Now, there's a R.T. Kendall is someone that I was privileged to uh, spend some time with and meet uh, before John Paul Jackson um, went home to be with the Lord. And uh, he was one of my favorite authors. 
He's written so many books, still writing books. And, um, but he had, he had different books that he loved. One of the books he had we used as kind of a home group uh, book where it was talk, had a, the whole analogy of, of the dove. Remember that one? And those of you that read it. And the difference between a dove, you know, and, and, um, and let's see, what was the other part of that? The pigeon, the pigeon, that's what it was, the dove and the pigeon. You know, and how, you know, the pigeons were, were one kind of receptivity. They didn't, didn't matter the noise, everything else, but the doves, there was, there was a quietness there and a tenderness there. And just that, you know, the Holy Spirit of God is, is gentle and, and just learning in our lives to tune to his presence, tune to his heart, tune to what he's saying, what he's doing in that. Again, checking the soul of our hearts and saying, oh, God, give me a heart after you. Give me a tender heart. If there's dryness, would you bring refreshing to my heart today? Do that. Heart of flesh for a heart of stone. And then uh, the next one, number B, in cultivating the anointing. And literally in the Greek language, you could translate it this way. I mean, it's, it's translated, just written out as be filled with the Holy Spirit. But really the understanding there from my time my study is it's literally like this. Be being filled with the Spirit. In other words, it's not that just one time it's like, oh, yeah, I've been filled with the Spirit. I've been baptized with the Spirit. I've had this. Or, or how about this phrase? You ever hear this in Christianity? Been there, done that, got the sticker, you know, or whatever, got the badge, whatever. And it's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. We, we again, just need to, to press in and go beyond that and, and, and allow the Lord to, to do what he wants to do. All right, and being filled with the Holy Spirit... We receive power, Acts 1.8, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And that wasn't just supposed to be the times of the initiation. There was the initiation for the, for the early New Testament church in which they were told to tarry, to wait. And those that came waited, and they were what, like 120 or something like that? They were waited, but uh, we feel like there were probably 500 that were invited for that prayer meeting. And they just got busy, or I don't know, maybe they had a show they were watching on TV that day or something, but they... They just, they missed out. They missed out on the glorious pouring of the Holy Spirit out on the church and the body of Christ and signs and wonders and everything was opened up. And the stuff that Jesus did, they could begin to pray for the sick. They could begin to, to, to experience what the Lord was doing, what the Lord was saying in so much a way because they had positioned their hearts for the presence of God. Many had, been, had received invitations, but only a few positioned their hearts for that. And that's something God wants us to do, being filled with the Spirit, positioning our hearts for the presence of the Lord. And Acts chapter 4, verses 28 through 31 tells us that the disciples were filled again with the Holy Spirit. And people say, why did we have to be filled again? Well, the most common thing I used to hear in the early charismatic days was, it's because we leak, you know, that we, that we leak. But I think that it's, it's an ongoing, it's ongoing to me. Yes, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, but yes, we we, it, the whole scripture talks about rivers of living water, rivers of living water. And I just want, you know, to have for us and for a body of Christ, I want us to have that rivers of living water and, and to flow and to be something that, that continually flows in our heart and in our life in that with the Holy Spirit. Paul said in Ephesians 5, 17 through 18, understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine. Instead, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. There's that phrase again. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. What he's saying there is that he wants our passion and our desire 
to be wrapped around the consuming presence of the Holy Spirit, of what he's saying and what he's doing in that. All right, C. Another thing that's very helpful in abiding in the presence and cultivating the anointing is to have prayer for impartation. As Scripture tells us, and we see this in Romans chapter 1 and verse 11, it says that Paul longed to impart spiritual gifts to the church at Rome to make it strong. You say, well, how did he do that? Was he like Santa Claus? Did he have a bag that he could reach in and say, okay, here's your gift. This got your name or whatever. Well, not like Santa Claus, but there was the truth in that. And the truth is, is that we have that, we, we have that ability today in ourselves, if we, it's under the anointing, the unction, and the timing of the Lord, in that, that as Paul realized that the, the New Testament believers that had been filled with the Holy Spirit and brought in the presence of God, they still needed they still needed encouragement. They still needed help. And so this was where the time of the gifting and calling came when they would lay hands upon them and, and in laying hands that, that there would be an impartation of the, of the Spirit of God and in different areas, maybe in different gift mixes and different ministries and areas such as that that were so important. Second Timothy 1.6 says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. You know, and, and I think probably all of us or many of us have had times that people have, have laid hands on us and prayed for us and ministered to us and impartation. And, uh, and I'm, I wouldn't say that I'm a person that runs after that, but I will say if I'm in the presence of someone that's carrying an anointing and the Lord kind of nudges me and said, you know, this wouldn't hurt you to get, a fresh, to get some fresh water of his presence, you know, I'm not going to be embarrassed to do that at all. You know, I'm just, I'm hungry for his presence. I'm not looking for that. But, but when it comes, I'm ready to just say, yes, Lord, you know, let, let it come. Let it fall upon me in whatever way that you want to bring that in the purity of your presence. Bring your presence again in that to me. And so I want to skip down a little bit here. So abandon yourself in worship. Um, that one is, we, we've talked about uh, many series upon that. And again, we're looking at this, we're talking about the presence of the Lord, camping in the glory. You know, sometimes, and, and I remember John Member said this when the Toronto Renewal first broke out, and I was on the national board and, and was kind of involved a lot in that. Um, I remember that, that what John said was something that was very important. He said, in any move of God, you have fire and you have wildfire. And he said, the fire of God's presence and the anointing of God's presence and all of that is something that we want to embrace. But he said, it's very important that we learn to camp in the fire and not the wildfire. That there's a difference between the, the pure anointing of God and the presence of God than, than when we kind of get in a little bit of a tangent. Because it's when we get in that tangent, that's the times that we kind of pull away. And it doesn't mean God's not present. It just means there's mixture. You know what I'm talking about? When we have mixture in our hearts and lives? No, you're all perfectly holy. So look at me. When I have mixture in my heart and life and that, God has to do that. And from that, I've realized, I just, Lord, I, I want to I camp in your glory. I want to camp in your presence. I want, I want to hear from you. I want to hear mainline, mainstream from your presence, from your heart, from what you're doing, not just what's happening here or there. I want it to come from your heart. And your experience in that, you know, and, and being believing believers and, and all that's involved in that. You know, in Luke 8, 48 and verse 50, I've taught on this a couple, many times, 
There was the woman who um, had an issue of blood and needed, um, called issue of blood or needed a healing from bleeding. And she went up to Jesus and she just had this thought that if she could just reach up and just touch the hem of his garment, that she would be healed. You know, it's not like that she had this big scenario of what was going to happen and how it's going to happen ever. She just had faith that if she could just get close enough to physically touch his garment, that that would be enough. That would be enough. And guess what happened when she did that? Not only was it enough, but she got an audience with Jesus. Because Jesus stopped and he says, okay, who touched me? And the disciples who were always kind of behind the the eight ball and understanding what was going on said, uh, well, everybody's touching you. What do you mean? Who touched me? But what he was really saying was, who touched me in faith? Who touched me reaching out for the, for the presence of the power and for the healing? And the woman st- said, I did, I did. And so he released healing to her and she was set free. I wonder how many times through pride or misunderstanding or bad theology or whatever else, we miss the presence and touching of our Lord to bring healing, encouragement, strength, giftings, releases, and so many areas just because we kind of get caught up in a little bit of religion or a little bit of hardness of heart or a, little bit of, or a lot of bit of guilt and condemnation and those sorts of things. When if we were just brave enough to reach out and touch him, to touch his presence, that he would respond with the power of his presence to bring healing and, and equipping for whatever we need in that process. That's where we want to go. That's where we want to, to follow him is in that. This woman, after 12 years, got her healing and her miracle. Isaiah 43, verses 18 through 19. Isaiah 43, verses 18 through 19. It says this, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. You don't have to raise hands, but I would, I'd be raising my hand if I did. How many times in our life do we dwell more upon the, the past than we do the days ahead. And it can be upon dwelling upon what we call sometimes the good old days. We do that with the Lord, right? In the Lord. It's like, oh man, that was, that was the good old days. Remember this? Remember that? And if we're always doing that and looking backwards, sooner or later, if we're trying to walk forward but looking backwards, we're going to have an encounter and it's not with the Lord. <laughs> it's maybe with concrete or wall or something like that because we're just going to just step off somewhere where we don't want to do that. But what we see here in this passage in 43.18, it says, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. I think that's one thing, even for impartations and receiving fresh manna and fresh anointing and fresh water from the Lord, is we need to deal with all the other things that are dried out, are past their day, and that we're holding on to, and say, Lord, we want to receive what you have for today. We want to receive all that you have for today. Don't dwell in the past. The Lord says, see, I'm doing new things. It springs up. Do you not perceive it? Now, that implies to me that the Lord can be moving in our midst. He can be bringing revelation. He can be bringing healing or whatever he wants to do. And that sometimes we can be there and we can experience it, but we never really see it. We never take the step of faith and risk out in that, risk in it. And God wants us to learn to do that and to understand what the Lord is saying for us in that. He says, I'm making a way in the wilderness, streams in the wasteland. And so even if you feel like that, 
that in your life there's been a wilderness, there's been a dry place, there's been a difficult place, there's been a place that had, you know, wilderness in, in the Bible often speaks of lions and adversaries and that sort of thing. We need to understand that the Lord is saying that he'll take us through that. That's not a place that we need to, to camp or to live or whatever else, that the Lord wants to take us beyond that. Uh, number F, abiding in the Lord. God wants us to learn to abide in the Lord. You know, he wants us to learn to bear fruit and then in bearing fruit to move in his anointing. You know, that as we learn to abide in his presence, that is what we see. Psalm 15 is such an incredibly powerful uh, passage of scripture. I mean, we could spend, we could spend weeks just on, on that. I just wanted to read just a little bit of that as we're getting close to wrapping up here and going to a time of ministry. John 15. I'm going to start in verse number 5. No, I'm sorry. I'm going to start, I'm going to start at the start of the chapter 15. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so it'll be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me, and that can also be translated, abide in me. Remaining in the Lord means, of course, to remain in, in his desire, and his will, and his direction, his teaching. But also, as I said, can be translated, abide in me. Learning to abide in his presence. He said, as I remain or abide in you. He said, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain or abide in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain or abide in me. And he goes on from there and he talks about that if you remain in me or abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do, can do nothing. But if you, if you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. The branches are picked up and thrown in the fire and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. Now understand, you say, well, that, that seems kind of like a wide open thing there. Couldn't we get in trouble? No, the whole secret is that if we're abiding in the Lord, what are we going to want to ask for? We're going to want to ask for what God wants us to receive. And part of abiding in the vine is that we're flowing in the fruit of the vine. We're, we're flowing in, in, in what the Lord is showing us and what he's teaching us in that. And because of that, then our desire, God changes our hearts. He changes our desire. The whole thing of grafting is being grafted, is the old man being grafted into the new man in that, and that we're beginning to understand his ways more and understanding his voice more and understanding what he's doing, what he's saying. And so then our desire is to do that and abide in that. And when we do that, that scripture says that we produce much fruit in that. Again, abiding in the presence of the Lord, living in that on a daily basis, causing our hearts to do that with it more and more and more. So John 15, the great secret and the release of God's anointing is abiding in the vine, motivated by a devotional daily, uh, uh, motivated by developing a daily devotional life with God and learning to practice his presence. You know, I just so many times I keep coming back to this. There's so many people who have written such great books about this. But it's all about the presence of God. It's all about camping in his presence. And, and I don't know about you, and different people is different ways, different things. But where it starts for me is in my early morning. 
where it starts for me is that, that you know, every morning when I read his word, and, and it takes a time for me to get through the nine chapters I do a day, but to really read his word and then to go into a time of prayer. And one of the things when I pray, and this, this is not a formula or anything else, but one of the things the Lord, there, there's kind of ways the Lord will speak to us and show us in, in tokens and ways. And one of the things I've experienced in my life is that, that as when the anointing comes or the presence of the Lord comes, I can be in time of prayer, that I literally start feeling the heat of his presence that comes upon me. And I'm not saying that that should be something you should model or anything else. All I'm saying is that in my time with the Lord, I have, I, the Lord brings a token or ways that I understand his ways but I know that that means his anointing is there. And guess what? Right now, I'm experiencing that as well. I know that the anointing of the Lord is here. And that's just something that I don't ever want to get away from. It's his anointing and his presence and, and just his purity and, and holiness and love. Oh, God, help us all in that. So what we're called to do is the old thing, to do the stuff. We're called to do what Jesus did. Pretty early, pretty early job description, easy job description, right? Heal the sick, cast out demons. Freely you've received, what? Freely give. That, that's, that's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to be a part of. That's what God is, has prepared everything in the coming of Jesus and, and the role model and everything else, learning to practice his presence and live in that, learning to walk in, in the stuff. And that means having that outward focused. I mean, when I, when I talk about the presence and everything else, all of this, sure, God wants to touch us and grow us and mature us and use us, but it's all about reaching out to the body of Christ and reaching out to the unchurched and those that are lost and those that are hurting and those that are under duress. God's called us to do that. The outward focus, Luke 4, 18 through 19, talks about why the Holy Spirit is upon us. You know, it's where we can preach good news, we can set the captives free, we can heal the sick, and proclaim jubilee. And you say, well, I can't do those. No, not in your own strength you can't. But when we take the risk of faith, when we take the step of faith and we step out, God will begin to release. God will begin to do that. You know, I start off by talking about the, the, the ministry that I did at Lafayette. And, and I had done this a year before there. And, and you must know that it was actually easier at this time than it was a year ago, when, even, even though it was 200 people instead of 100 people. But one of the things I had to come to the place of was just learning to abide in the presence of peace and not be worried about it, not be anxious about it, but just be at rest in that. And when I did that, out of the rest and out of the peace comes the voice of God, and you hear that. And God will do that for you in your prayer life and in your, in, in your devotional study and everything else. Luke 6, 38, given will be given to you. As we give away to others and we give of the Lord's presence, the Lord brings it back to us. And James 5.16 talks about as we minister to others that we're healed as well. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you for your faithfulness, oh God. Holy Spirit, we know that you're here. But I just pray right now for your abiding presence to settle upon us even more heavily. There it is. More, Lord. More of your presence. More of your presence, Lord. Lord, would you just release physical healing in this room?
Would you release those that are feeling in some kind of captivity today? For those that are carrying hurts and wounds and discouragement. Oh God, I pray that you would just take the heaviness and the weight of darkness off of us. That we can feel the light of your presence and the joy of your presence. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Rest upon us. Move upon us. Live in us. Bring your presence, Lord. Bring your presence. What I want to do today is, is uh, I'm going to get up. Uh,